0: It's great to be here today. If you are uh, newer with us, it's great time to to start here. We're kicking off a brand new series today, talking about relationships. We're talking about relationship goals. You ever see somebody like, you know, whether it's a picture, maybe from the internet, Facebook, Instagram, or or, or whatever, that you just look at them and you think to yourself, their goals. Right? I want, that's goals. Now, some of you don't talk like that. That's how middle school talks, alright? High school, they're like, that's goals, alright? I, I want that. Maybe, I, maybe you saw some of the, the pictures that I posted this week where I put on there. Now, this is hashtag relationship goals, right? I want a man that looks at me like this boy's looking at potatoes. If you saw that picture, you know what I'm talking about. Like, th- this relationship goals. I want to talk about that because what we're saying when we look at a picture, When we see a still of somebody's relationship, of their love, of their, when we see that, what we're really saying is that I want that. I want my relationship to look like that relationship. I want to feel the way it looks like they feel in that moment. And what we don't realize, and I get it, it's fun and, and it's, Live on the internet, social media, is that when we talk about relationship goals and we look at people, what we don't realize is that a lot of times we're looking at the picture perfect moment and then we think it's a picture perfect marriage or relationship. You know what I'm talking about? That, big, I mean, you're talking about this couple and they're on a remote island and they're, they're in a beach all by themselves and there's just this beautiful picture where you can tell they're in love where the sun is setting over the ocean and they lean over to kiss and they got this perfect silhouette because the sun is right behind their faces and you're just like, oh my gosh, why don't we have that? That's relationship goals. You know what I think when I see that picture? This is what I think. Who's taking the picture? I'm serious. Like, Is this staged? Is this timed? Is this like, what is this? And a lot of times what we don't realize is that when we see all that, and we say, I want that. We don't realize is that we're building a mental map of a relationship that we want based on a single moment, a freeze frame, a filtered photo, a staged moment, and we're building in our minds like, a relationship ideal or dream or goal based on that. Let me tell you something. Your relationship can never measure up to that. It'll never measure up to a perfectly filtered photo. Your your relationship will never measure up to some moment that the paparazzi caught. It'll never measure up to Kim and Kanye it'll never measure that's there's a problem right because all we know is what we see in that moment and it becomes relationship goals I want to talk and spend a few weeks talking about real relationship goals I want us to have a new perspective on relationships I want us to say what does it look like to have a a real relationship goal that is not defined by our culture but rather is defined by our Creator if that's okay Okay, I I get it. Well, you know, we we got all these goals in mind and here's what I've discovered that that we need to think about when it comes to relationship goals. And that is this to define any goal. You need to start with the end first. Like like financial goals that maybe you have. What what do you do? You picture what you want life to look like at this age? What kind of house you'd like to end up in? And and, and so then you work your way back. That's what you do with retirement. You have a retirement goal, you start at the end, you work your way back. When it comes to life, here's what I found with goals, right? Business goals, career goals, family goals. You picture in your mind the end, and then you, you work your way back. We do that in every area of life except relationships. In relationships, here's what I found we don't start at the end, we start with a feeling. We don't start with what I hope to have someday we start to, oh, he is cute today. That's what we do. We start with a feeling. We start with like, oh, an attraction. Like, you know, she's just like, oh, I just, just give me some dude that's tall and athletic. I just like, I'm just looking for tall and athletic. Then you meet some guy and you're like, well, he's taller than me. He watches sports. He could be the one. Mm. Whoa, wait, 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 hold on. Like, like, what does it look like when it comes to your relationship? What does it look like to think of the end first and then work your way back? Because we don't tend to do this with relationships. We start with a feeling and hope that one day we'll end up somewhere happy. That's what we do, right? If I were to say, what do you want in a relationship? Most people are yelling like, well, I just, well, you know, they need to be good looking and, and, and fun and romantic and, you know, playful and laughs at my jokes and likes what I like and all these different things. No one says, I want caring, I want committed, I want faithful friend. No, 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 we don't start with the end, we start with a feeling in a moment. And I'm here to tell you that it's time to flip that around. If you want a great relationship, a real goal, start with the end first. I, I thought I would maybe show you what mine is. I just thought that's the best way to start. Can I, can I just take a moment and show you what my end goal is? Because I have one. In fact, I found a picture of it. Go ahead, Mel, would you throw up the picture? This is, that's relationship goals for me. Hello? Come on. If you don't know the joy of Cracker Barrel, you haven't lived. I want to get old and wrinkly with my wife and say we visited 644 out of 645 Cracker Barrels. I'm starting with the end and work my way back. So i got to find me a woman. This is what you would say if this is your goal. I already did. Find me a woman that loves Cracker Barrel as much as I do. You see, that was my wife and I. That was our dating spot. when We were the only teenagers in the place. Everybody's 50 plus but us, you know. What, what does it look like to have relationship goals that aren't defined by our culture? They're not defined by a reality TV show. They're not defined by a filtered photo, a staged moment. What, what does it look like for us to have real relationship goals? I believe that we can experience life-giving, love-enduring type of relationships, but it only happens when we align our goals with the one who created relationships in the first place, and that's our creator. And so I want to, I today, I want to kind of start at the beginning as we begin this series. And I've got a focus that's going to maybe speak more so to those of you who are single, so if you're single, if you're dating, if you're looking, if you're in a relationship, then, then I'm just going to say up front, this message might speak to you more than anybody else. But if you're a mom, if you're a dad, if you're someone that has people in your life you care about, then this is something that, that you need to lean into as well. Because I think relationships really do matter. And I want to go back to the very beginning. So what I'm saying is Genesis. If you've got a Bible with you, an electronic device... Would you turn it on to Genesis chapter 2? I think the best way to discover how relationships were intended to be by God is to go to the very beginning moment when God created them. In Genesis chapter 1, here's a narrative that we're given, a revelation that was given to Moses by God. It's how God created everything and when God created everything. You know, when God created everything, the, when he made the heavens and the earth, when, when he separated the sky and the earth below, and, and when he put the sun, moon, and the stars in the sky, every single day, if you know this account, whenever God would get done creating something, he would say this phrase over and over again. Maybe you know it. God would say, he'd look at it, and he'd say, that is good. God would, God would make the trees and the vegetation. He'd be like, oh, that is so good. Man, I'm good at this. Pat himself on the back. No one else there to do it when god would separate the waters from the earth and he created beaches god was like they are good can i get a witness from anybody here hello that's good stuff when god created mankind god first made the first man god said let's make man in our image and He created man that is good Everything that God made, he said, it's good. It's perfect. It's exactly how I wanted it to be. Look at it. It's amazing. It's perfect. And then God took this man, the first man. You know the first man that we call Adam. Do you know that that wasn't like his surname, like his given name? By, like God was like, mm. God was like, what should we name him? I don't know. He kind of looked, Bill, Jeff. Does he look like a Greg? I don't know. Let's go Adam. I think he looks like an Adam. Adam actually literally means man, like first man. So it's a label. It's more, it's like a man, Adam. And and so God took this man and he placed him in this garden. This garden called what? Anybody know the name of the garden? We call it Garden of Eden. But Eden means pleasure. It's perfect paradise that God puts him in this garden. And he put him in there and he gave him responsibility. He gave him a job to take care of it. I'm not even going there in my message. But listen, before you are ready for a woman, guys, you need a job. I know I'm not even going to preach that, but that's just free. And so God put him in the garden and when God looked down on this man in the garden around all the rest that he had created God said something very specific and I know probably a lot of you know this but I want to read this to you from Genesis chapter 2 verse 18 Here's what it says The Lord God said It's not good for the man to be what? Help me out. The man to be Everything God made He said that is good including man And Then he looks at this one man he made and he says, you know what's not good? It's not good for him to be alone. And then it says this, God said, I will make a helper who is just right for him. Can, can I just tell you that God is for you having a relationship? Can I say that? God is pro-relationships. He's for it. I just want you to understand that because I think sometimes, you know, we have been around church and I don't know for some reason why, but it feels like there's this perspective sometimes that we have where it's like, you know, God just wants us to be like always worshiping him, robot, only thinking about him 24-7. Yeah, well, he wants to be first in our lives. But God is for relationships. You know why God is so for relationships for you and for me having relationships? I'll tell you why. It's because God made us in his image and God is Relational. From the very beginning, you look at this chapter 1, it shows us that God himself has existed in relationship. God was never alone. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Let us make man in our image. Plural. That's why that's why Moses wrote it. Plural. God has he always existed in relationship and when he created us, he created us, you and me, for relationship. And God says the only thing that's not good, it wasn't Adam. It was the fact that there was no one there to carry the load, the weight of life. He said, I'm going to make a helper that's just right for him. Listen, I, I know that many of you don't even need to hear today this verse to know that being alone feels like it's not good. I, I just want to say that. I bet you many of you, you, you know that, you feel that. In fact, there's some of you here today that maybe you're at a season of life where you feel like you're alone. Maybe you're in a place in life. Where where maybe you're single, there's no real prospects. Right now at the moment, you're just like, I don't know, I I get it. I I don't think it's very good to be alone. Or or maybe you were married and then you got divorced. And you kind of find yourself in a place that you never thought you'd be in. And you say, yeah, it kind of feels kind of lonely here. I, I just want you to understand something. That God never intended for us to ever deal with life or face it alone. And I think sometimes, here's what we think. We think the answer is... I need to find someone to marry, or I need to find someone to have a romantic relationship. That's God's answer to not being alone. Now, let me just say something first, okay? I know a lot of people that I've met over the years as a pastor that are married and yet feel incredibly alone. That's not the answer completely. But what God came up with was this idea, this design that I'm going to create another. I want you one to share life. And here's the thing, when it comes to like being alone, I want you just to recognize something that happens in our culture today that is there is an intense pressure that we feel and I'm going to say it starts at middle school. Maybe it's before that. It's a little bit, but it gets more intense in middle school. How do I know? Because I was once in middle school and high school. Because I've raised daughters who have gone through high school and one this in middle school, about finished. I, I know what this like. There is an intense pressure to not be alone. You know what I'm talking about. Like if everybody's got a boyfriend but you, oh my gosh, the world's going to end. Like something's wrong with me if I don't have a girlfriend. He's got a girlfriend and they got a girlfriend. And now I'm the odd person out and I don't have anybody. And so there's a social pressure that starts day one. It says you need to be with somebody in a romantic relationship. And so what we have is a bunch of middle schoolers and high schoolers that aren't really sure and don't have real relationship goals, but rather they're kind of like, okay, well, I'm thrust into this. And then it goes beyond that. Let's be honest. It goes beyond high school. You get into college, and and then it, it turns to pressure from family. You know, you got moms, dads, and aunts and uncles and grandparents, and you finish college, and then you're in your late 20s, and you're still not you know, serious and relationship and married. The next thing you know, you know, you're you're going to a, a, a wedding and you got some old aunt that's decrepit is there that's making comments about you, you know, looking at you. Come on, you're next, aren't you? You know, you know, you know, there's always one person in that family that's always has, they say something every time, you know, it's like, get out there and catch the bouquet. Hey, you need it. You're getting, you know, there's always one. Hey, you know what I, I say? I say the next time you're at a family funeral, Walk up to that old aunt and say, you're next, right? <laughs> Do that. And she will leave you alone. She'll leave you alone. I, I, I think what we have in society, because we, okay, God says it's not good to be alone. And now we get this societal pressure that I've got to find someone at a very young age. And all of a sudden we've got this thought that I'm not whole, I'm not complete, Something's wrong with me, something's missing, something's a mess if I'm single. Can I, can I reframe that for you just a little bit today? Can I just tell you this, that Jesus was single but never alone? Do you know that? Jesus was single, but he was never alone. He had a relationship with his Father in heaven, with people who are around him. And so sometimes we think that marriage or that dating, that's the answer. But I'm just telling you, there is a greater answer than just another person, and that is your Father in heaven, and that is Jesus. There is a greater answer to this. Might I remind those of you that feel like, well, I'm single and I'm less than, the number one is a whole number two. Number one's a whole number two. But God looks down, and he sees the man, and he says, man, it's not good for him to try to, to handle all of this on his own. So here's, here's what God does. I want to read this to you. And I, I know that many of you probably know this story, but, but would you listen verse 21 on? It says that, so the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while the man slept, the Lord God took out one of the man's ribs and closed up the opening. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib and brought her to the man. At last, the man exclaimed. He got excited. See the exclamation point there? It's like, woohoo! Check her out. This one is bone from my bone and flesh from my flesh. Now, that sounds kind of dirty, but it's not. Basically, what it means is she's like me. There was no one else he had seen like him. She looks like me. It's different. It says she will be called Woman. Woman. He was like whoa check out! that's not why um literally it it means out of man she was taken from man that's what that means out of man I, I love this story you know this is the very first surgery ever performed god's the first surgeon god is the first surgeon adam was the first donor he didn't even sign a release god just put him under took the rib from him and made a woman he liked so much the DNA that he had already created in the first man. He said, I just need a little of that DNA, and I'm going to go ahead and make something else. Great. I'm going to make them Hey, version 2.0, I think, might be even better than version 1.0. I'm just saying that for all the ladies here. Hello? Preach. That's what they said. This is a this is moment where, where God begins to kind of unveil a plan for us in relationship, and really the ultimate picture of the ultimate relationship that we can have, which is marriage. How do I know this is because Moses, who would get this revelation and and write this, gives verse 24, which is really more of commentary on this. He kind of puts a a bow on it all when it comes to marriage. Here's Here's what Moses says in verse 24. This explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined with his wife, and it says this, that the what, everybody help me, that the two are united into? Come on, do it again. The two are united into one. Now, let me just say this is really odd math. Let's just go ahead and say that. This does not line up with the math that you learned in elementary school. Right? Like, wait a minute. Two become one. eh, This doesn't make sense. Marriage math is different. Let me just say that. Marriage math, biblical math is different than the way you were raised to believe in math. When it comes to math, because, you know, if you start with two and you end up one, you had to what? Subtract one of them. But this is a situation where there was one, and God added one, and ended up with one. And so here's what we think logically. Just I want you to go there with me, because you guys know math really well, and I know that you know one plus one equals two, and you have that, and then you're going two plus one plus one. No, this doesn't work. Here's where we go logically. We think, well, in order for those two to become one, they must have been halves. Two halves become a whole one. If there are two and they become one, this is what logical math would tell us, it's two halves that become one. And this is why today so many who are single feel like something is missing, something is wrong if I don't have someone. Because there's this idea that we have that I'm not whole. That we aren't whole, we're not a whole person. Like something is missing. And I know that when you have a drive to find someone that you kind of feel like, oh, I got to find the one. I just want to find the one. You feel like someone's missing. And I like to say it this way. We feel like when someone is missing, that something is missing. Or or we fall in love with the r- romantic movies. And and, and we, we think about the moment where Jerry Maguire looks at Renee Zellweger and says, you complete me i i I wasn't complete before i found you and then we have this idea that uh, something's wrong with me something's missing and i'm not i'm not really whole unless i i find the one can i can i give you a new perspective today on that i reject that just a little bit i really do because that's not the picture we get in scripture in fact, I'll give it to you this way. There's a statement. I want you maybe to maybe write this down. I want you to think about it, but it's this. If you have a soul, you're already whole. That's so good. I'm going to say it again to give you time to write it down. If you have a soul, you're already whole. Come on, I want everybody at both campuses to say it out loud with me. Say it. If you have a soul, you're already whole. In other words, you need to know that when God created Adam, this first man, and he breathed breath into his nostrils and soul and he came to be, you need to understand that God says that was good. Adam was whole when God made him. God didn't have to make the other half so that Adam could be whole. Adam was already whole when God breathed his soul into him. He just said, I'm going to make a helper suitable for him. And there's a difference. And here's the thing about marriage math. This is what you're going to understand. biblical math. One plus one equals one. One whole plus one whole equals one incredible great marriage. That is whole. Or let me, let me say it this way. 100% of you with 100% of her equals 100% of what God intended. I think some of the worst advice that I've heard sometimes, and we don't, we don't say this in our pre-marriage counseling, is that we, we perpetuate this. This cultural idea of your half and you gotta find the other half. You know the one we call the better half? Something's wrong with me unless I find the other half. And you'll hear counselor, hey listen, if you'll just come fifty percent of the way, and if she'll just come fifty percent of the way, you meet in the middle. Now I get compromise. Compromise is great, compromise is important, but I think that's the wrong perspective. When marriage is for life, when marriage is all in, it's when a hundred percent of you, when you go a hundred percent of the way for her and she goes a hundred percent of the way for him, that's when you find common ground. That's when you find the kind of relationship that God had intended. And unfortunately, what we have in our culture today is we don't have a bunch of whole people finding other whole people to settle down and have a whole marriage. We've got some broken people. We've got some people that aren't completely whole. Going around trying to find other people that aren't completely whole in hopes that they will get whole, and that's not what the relationship was intended for. What I want to share with you today is again geared more toward if you're single, just today. And we're going to build upon these things over the weeks to come. You need to keep coming back. This is going to be so helpful. But listen, I, I want you to understand this: we're so obsessed with finding the one because that's going to kind of finally I'll, I'll, I'll arrive. Finally, I'll be happy. Can I suggest a different perspective just today? Can I say, what would it look like if rather than trying to find the one, if you're single, what if it would look like you say, I'm going to focus on being the one that somebody else wants to find. Everybody else is running around. I'm just trying to find, you complete me. If You have someone say that to you, it means they're screwed up. And they think you're going to fix them. You complete me. My life's a wreck. Oh, I'm so glad I met you. Uh, I don't want to be your savior. I was made to be your helper. Hold on, there's a difference. What would it look like for us to say, I want to be the one. I, what does it look like for me to be the one that somebody else wants to find? I believe that if we would focus on that, listen to me, if you're single, that then you're going to be in a place where God can bring you the, the person that he wants you to be with. Can I give you three areas today? We don't have a lot of time. But I want to give you three areas. To say, what does it look like for you to be whole? And the reason why maybe some of you are gonna, that are married are gonna think about this when you hear it, you're gonna think, yeah, I wish we'd have done that differently. I wish I'd have done that differently. And you see how it affects your marriage. And so I wanna share with you, just as me important to you, three areas that I believe are so important that we consider being whole before we're ready to jump into a lifelong commitment. The first area is spiritually. What does it look like for you to be spiritually whole? You see, here's something I know about you, because all of us have this, and is that there is something inside of us that there's a God-shaped hole that only he can fill. And I think when it comes to relationships, if I can be honest, we put a lot of emphasis on personality traits, communication style, looks, and we put very little emphasis on spiritual life. But I want you to understand, there, there, there's something inside of each of us that I call an ache. There's something we've all wrestled with and felt where it's, it's when you kind of start asking questions about your own life and you start saying, why am I here? Like, What's my meaning? What's my purpose? Like, I, I know I should be doing something right. Like, am I a cosmic accident? Or if there's a creator, then is there a reason that I'm here? Or we're trying to find some kind of satisfaction in this life. We're trying to find joy. We're trying to find something in this life that would just give us fulfillment. And we're searching and we're looking. Do you know what that is? I want to tell you what that is. That part of your soul that is asking that, that is a God-shaped void that only he can fill. And what happens in relationships if we are not spiritually whole is that we look for other people to fill that gap. That we feel inside I'm trying to find meaning, and so maybe it's with her. I'm trying to find purpose, maybe it's with him. I don't feel happy or satisfied, maybe with them, then maybe we'll do it. and what we don't realize we're doing it this is the detriment. We all have this thing, and we don't realize that we're sticking an expectation of something that only God can fill on the shoulders of somebody else. In a relationship. Can I tell you this? Your boyfriend, your girlfriend, they aren't strong enough to carry that weight. For a season, oh, I just feel so good and butterflies all the time, I'm in love. That's great. Get married, be married for a couple years, come back and see me. Because you're putting on them an expectation that only God is intended to fill. First Thessalonians 5, verse 23, here's something that, let this speak to you. It says, may God himself The God who makes everything holy and whole, make you what? Make you holy and, everybody say it, and? May God, not him, not her, make you holy and whole, put you together, spirit, soul, and body, and keep you fit for the coming of our master, Jesus Christ. God is the only one that can complete you. You don't need to look at her, you complete me. Just knock that off. She can't fill that void that only God can. Let me give you the goal. Let me give you the goal. Here's the goal spiritually. Make God your one and let him bring you the two. Let me say it again. Make God the one and let him bring you the two. I just want to find the one. And so we spend our entire lives pursuing that one person. They don't even realize that you're looking to them to save you. The one. Man, what a title whew, like I'm just trying to find the one. Can, can I give you a different perspective? What if you were to say, I'm just gonna pursue him first and trust that God would bring the number two into my life. God should be one. Anybody else should be number two. God's one. And and, and here's why this is so critical. This is I wanna say this every single person. If, if you tuned out, you need to listen. Look right at me. I can, I can't even count on the number of fingers and toes that I have as a pastor, how many times I've seen people passionately pursuing God, only to meet a boyfriend, to meet a girl, and then we never see him again. Once they were passionately pursuing God, until they met her, until they met him. And all of a sudden, that person became their number one. Well listen, let me just tell you something about what's happened. Is you are taking that God-shaped void the thing you all know we feel, you have just placed that on their shoulders. Now, the expectation for them to make you happy, get down on your knee, will you make me the happiest man in the world? Now, all of a sudden, that expectation's on them. They can't carry that weight. None of us were designed to carry that weight. God is the one who fills that. So, spiritually, you need to be whole, spiritually. The second thing is this financially. I, I really believe that financially, you should be whole before you get married. Now let me describe that and here let me tell you why. I think one of the greatest stresses that we will face in our relationships, especially early on, is gonna be financial. You know, we all go, oh, it's about love. You know what I mean? Our relationship's about love. Money doesn't mean anything to us until you don't have it. Then it means everything. I'm just gonna be honest with you. Can I give you just a simple goal? Here's a simple goal: what does it look like for you to be in good financial position before? You consider marriage, or I would say even dating. What does it look like to be in good financial position? Now, I'm not saying that means that you know, hey, look at my stock portfolio, my 401k is man, it's just booming. And I'm, I'm not saying you're going like, wow, I got my house, I got my career already, I'm making 60 G's or more. Like, I, okay, I know I'm a catch now. Now we should do it. That's not what I'm talking about. Okay, I, I'm not talking about you got to have a lot of money. I'm asking this: Are you responsible financially? Are you, my wife and I, when we first got married, we didn't have money. We didn't have very much at all. We had a little bank account. Okay, we, we had, like, I had worked a job full-time. She was going to school full-time, and she would help where she could, and she would clean houses and do things to help contribute. We didn't have a lot of money, but, you know, before we got married, we figured out we'd have enough to live. Okay, before we got married, I paid for the ring, cash. I don't know, it wasn't big, but I paid for it. Before we went on a honeymoon, I paid for it cash. Do you know what we didn't have when we got married? We didn't have credit card debt. We didn't have car debt. We didn't have student loan debt. We didn't have a house debt because we didn't have a house. Like, we didn't have any of that debt. Do you know what was incredible for us? Is yeah, we didn't have a lot of money and we wouldn't, like, we didn't even drink soda, Pop. Like, that was too expensive. Kool-Aid packets, 10 cents. We make Kool-Aid. We lived on pink lemonade every day. We never went out to eat. We didn't do any of that. But you know what we didn't have? We didn't have the stress and the burden of financial brokenness in our marriage. And I, I think we overlook this. We don't think it's a big deal. Ah, I've got some credit cards and I got this. Until you get married, and you know what I found is we got a lot of people that aren't whole financially, you know, making really bad decisions. They're broke in financially and then they meet somebody else and it's like oh together can you imagine we're gonna do so much better together the problem is they're broken financially too and two broken financially people coming together do not make a whole great financial situation they don't and i like to say it this way when you marry someone please understand you marry all of them you marry them and visa and mastercard And your bank and, you know, loans and your car payments and all that. So listen, uh, you need to work that out. But I I just want to say this. What does it look like for you to be financially whole? I think one of the greatest things you can do to be ready, to be the one, okay, I just want someday to get married. How about this? Start being wise financially today. I'm going to start giving to God first. I'm going to trust him to get out of debt. I'm going to get into a place so that I am someone that somebody wants to find. Amen? Let me give you a third area, and this one's super critical. Emotionally, what does it look like to be emotionally whole I just want to say this is an area where I think we, we probably struggle with as a society the most you know when we talk about relationships we talk about love you know we say I, I just I give them my heart think about marriage what we're giving to someone when, when someone says that It's not the little muscle that beats in your chest, it's your emotions. I feel this way. I give all of myself to them. Can I I tell you that when you look at this picture in Genesis of the two becoming one, the process of becoming one is an emotional one. It's not just a physical one, it's an emotional one. You know, in the original text, in the Hebrew, Maybe you see another translation. It says that a man shall leave his father and his mother, be united to his wife. It says, and the two will become one flesh. One flesh. It's this picture of complete intimacy, of oneness. Even physically, God created a man and woman to be able to fit. There's something about it, oneness. Oneness physical nature and emotional nature and i'm talking about sex ultimately do you know that and, and i don't have time to talk about this but in ancient times the culture that sex on the wedding night was actually part of consummating the the marriage vow like it wasn't just at the altar i do it was that first night together it was part of the like the covenant is is set and i think sometimes when it comes to sex that we in the church have done a little bit of a disservice in how we've talked about it with our young people i want you to hear this because you know i believe that sex is a very powerful thing that god gives to marriage and we see the damage This is what i'm talking about there's damage that happens when it happens outside of marriage there's damage when it happens through an affair and what that causes to a marriage there's damage that can happen in this area and, and so sometimes what we've done is we've told young people, we're like, stay away. I get that, I get that. Sex is bad. It's wrong. It's sinful. It's awful. It's dirty. It's it's so evil. Stay away. And then all of a sudden they, they find someone and then they're going to get married and they're supposed to flip a switch. I thought it was bad. It was evil. It was dirty. No, no, no. I just, no. I, and, and it's confusing to people. I, I want to be straight with you and say this, that sex is not a bad thing. In fact sex is not even a good thing. It's a God thing. That God created it. And God created it for the purpose of creating oneness. Oneness in marriage. That there's nothing more intimate than a husband and a wife in marriage in oneness. And here's the message of our culture. The message of our culture is that sex is just physical. Let's get physical. It's just physical. That's that's, called, that's the messaging today. Hey, if you feel like you're in love, you should express it to Him. And there's pressure to, to give yourself to everybody because if I feel something, it's just physical, what's the big deal? Listen to me, it is not just physical. It's way deeper than that. It's way more powerful than that. God created it way beyond that. It's also emotional. And what we don't realize is that every single time that we are intimate with someone else, Here's what's happening. You are giving part of your emotional wholeness to that person. So you know in your dating life, and this is typical today, it's like, well, yeah, I was with her, and then I was with her, and I slept with her, and then I slept with her, ladies slept with him, and yeah, him, I shouldn't have done that, that was a big mistake, and him, and then him, and then him, and then one day we're supposed to stand at the altar, We're supposed to say, I give you all of me, but I can't really give you all of me because I've, I've given myself emotionally to, to so many people. Can I, can I give you a goal here? Can I just give you a goal emotionally? Save yourself for him one day. Save yourself for her one day. And you know, that's so hard to do when you're single and you're looking because you don't know who that one person is that God wants to bring into your life someday. And so, because you can't picture them and you don't know who they are, you think maybe he's the one, and then you give yourself, and then you break up. Maybe she's the one, and then you give yourself, and then you break up. And then maybe they're the ones you give yourself and break up. And then guess what? You realize, well, they weren't the one, and they weren't the one, and they weren't the one, and they weren't the one. But yeah, you have already given part of yourself to the, all of them. The greatest wedding gift, listen, that you could give your spouse one day, is to be able to say, "I'm giving you all of me, completely, whole." And i know that in our society and culture that's not a popular thing i get all that i get the pastor you kind of sound like a prude like i mean that's just that's just ridiculous like nobody does that today well you're a christ follower maybe you're not to be like everybody else maybe there's something different about you maybe god's got a purpose for your life that's far greater than you can imagine maybe there's something in the marriage that god wants to do that is so much better than what society is going to offer and sell you so I know this as a weird, and it's like, I'm supposed to save myself. Everybody, that's weird to be a virgin. It's weird to be this. Yeah, it's beautiful in marriage. Speaking from somebody who's been married almost 23 years. There's something really powerful on the other side that no one tells you about. So save yourself. And I just want to say this as I close. and I, I don't want anybody to feel a sense of condemnation here today. Because maybe you're listening to this you're going, you know, I, just i guess i've I messed up maybe maybe today you're watching this and you go i i don't feel whole spiritually maybe financially or even emotionally well i've got good news for you today this is what i love about god listen even if you feel like you've messed up and you're not whole the good news about jesus is that his grace is sufficient That God's grace can cover anything that we've done in our lives. That God's grace can give you a new beginning. God's grace can give you a new start. I really believe that. But what you need to do is today, maybe what you need to say is, God, I'm committing myself that from this moment forward, I want to be whole. I'm going to be a whole one. Number one is a whole number. I'm going to be whole. If you have a soul, you're already whole. God's created you to be whole. I'm going to be whole spiritually. I'm going to be whole financially. And I'm going to be whole emotionally. Maybe you're just a defining moment. You're saying from this day forward, maybe you're in a relationship. You've already messed up. You go, you know what? It's going to be different from this day forward. I'm going to commit myself to God first and allow his grace just to minister in your life and lead you to a better place. Amen. Come on, would you pray with me? Father, I just thank you for your word. and I thank you, God, for a new way of seeing relationships that you've given to us. God, I pray right now. Through your spirit god that you would just extend grace i just pray right now grace right now over our church i pray god for our single people i pray god for those who married but divorced and now find themselves single again father i pray first and foremost that we would find our connection in you that we would pursue you first and above all else god i pray right now for every single person in this church that god you give them the grace the grace to to walk this out, to be whole, to live whole, to be the one that somebody wants to find someday. And God, as we submit to you our plans, I pray God that you would bring the person that you have for us, someone God that is perfect for us, into our lives. God, you are for relationships, and we thank you for that. We thank you, God, that you care so much about us that you would share this with us, Lord. We pray you'd help us to know what to do with what we've heard. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Everyone said. Come on, let's thank God for his grace today.